Welcome to Brad Kyle's Brad's Motor Works podcast. We'll be talking about some things about BMW, some things of cars in general, and some things about car repair. I hope you find it educational, enlightening, and I hope it increases your understanding of your car. And maybe along the way we'll have some fun too. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Episode number 211, Technician-Induced Diagnostic Dilemmas. Uh, this one's going to be a little bit of a insight into uh, sometimes technicians uh, creating their own problems, so to speak, especially during diagnostics. And um, uh, again, this is going to be from a trade journal or trade magazine. It's actually from what's called Motor Age, which again is a uh, you know professional trade magazine for auto repair. Uh, and the author is Chris Farley. Okay, so I'll be reading from that, but... You know, I certainly identify, considering that's what I've been doing for the past 40 years of my life as far as working professionally on cars. And, uh, yeah, we can, um, during the diagnostic process, we can definitely create some of our own issues. And so this was kind of, uh, you know, it was somewhat eye-opening for me. Um, you know, that I, I certainly have learned through trial and error how to hopefully do things right and proficiently and efficiently and productively. And uh, uh, that's part of the learning process. So uh, if nothing else, like I say, this might give you as a consumer and driver of a car, this might give you a little bit of insight into uh, some of the processes, thought processes that we have to go through and how they can go awry. So hopefully you find it interesting. Uh, before we begin, a couple of quick uh, you know, notes or whatever. If you want to get a hold of me via email, it's bkpodcast5 at gmail.com. And again, I'm also on LinkedIn under Brad's Motor Works, which is my, my shop name in uh, Southern California. So um, let's get started on this one. So technician-induced diagnostic dilemmas. Blindly approaching a fault is like jumping into an empty pool. You may quickly get to the bottom of it, but it's probably going to hurt. That was a quick uh, little intro on it there. I recently encountered two vehicles with technician-induced problems that I believe offer some valuable lessons. Whether we caused the problem or were there to diagnose it, rushing and jumping to conclusions often cost us more in the end. So the first one is a 2013 Ford Focus. The customer brought in a 2013 Ford Focus for an intermittent no-crank condition. My usual diagnostic routine is a pre-scan, a quick visual inspection, and an interview with either the shop owner I'm called to assist or the vehicle owner. But as usual, I I got only part of the story, even after thorough questioning. I'll never understand why this happens. The shop tested the car and didn't find anything wrong, so it returned the vehicle to the customer. A week later, the vehicle returned to the shop on the hook of a tow truck. The customer stated that the vehicle had refused to start a few instances, and this time it had died on the road. The technician at the shop approached the vehicle and it started right up. The tech believed the starter must be the culprit. This is not a logical direction to head in for a vehicle that suddenly died on the road. The shop owner told me they installed a starter, lowered the vehicle to verify it started, and then raised the vehicle to install the underbody shield. They then lowered the vehicle and it again failed to start. They tried to scan the vehicle and found it would not communicate. They decided to call to they decided to push the car out and give me a call. Jumping the gun. I connected my Snap-on Zeus scan tool and the first thing I noticed was the vehicle did not auto identify with the scanner. 
I manually selected the vehicle and reestablished communication with some of the onboard modules. Now this is where I'm guilty of having jumped the gun. Since I received the call, all I could think of was the common fault for the symptom that these vehicles experience, a faulty transmission control module. Sometimes we need to be reminded of why we have a diagnostic process, and we need to be humbled when we get lazy or ignore it. Although I followed my process, I wasn't focused because I had already convinced myself the problem was a failed TCM before I even connected my scanner. It was a rainy day, and I was in a parking lot, but in my head, I believed all I had to do was unplug the TCM and I'd see ver vehicle communication return. So I laid down in the rain and unplugged the TCM, but communication had not returned. For the rest of the day, all I had to show for my effort was wet clothes. Now that my bu bubble had burst, I got to kick myself and regroup. I went back to my process and reviewed my scan report. I noticed that the power steering control module, the powertrain control module, and the transmission control module are the only modules missing from the bus. At this point, I reviewed the system wiring diagrams, and since I had already had the TCM unplugged, I started my testing there. I tested to verify the TCM had everything it needed to communicate, voltage supply, ground supply, and communication signals coming in. The only issue I noted was the signal from high-speed CAN bus low. The second approach. My next step was to install my AES Wave Line Spy breakout box. I connected the Snap-on Scope Zeus and saw the same high-speed CAN low pattern so that I performed a resistance check on the high-speed CAN network. This test checked the integrity of the circuit and offered me direction. To, to perform this test, turn the key off so the network, network isn't active, and by connecting my Snap-on DMM across high-speed CAN plus and CAN negative, you should anticipate a 60-ohm reading displayed. However, that is not the reading we were getting here, which tells us there was an incomplete circuit and one resistor was bypassed. I then retraced my steps to decide on which direction we go. The scan, reported, the scan report showed the PCM, TCM, and PSCM are offline. A resistance test proved the circuit was open in the high-speed CAN network. A review of the CAN system topology uh, I sourced for this vehicle from all data showed the terminating resistors for this network are located in the body control module and the PCM. Both of those two, only the PCM failed to communicate. I looked at the CAN bus network diagram. The communication wires pass through connector C238 to splices S109 and S110. From there, the circuit heads toward the ABS module and to connector C140. The ABS module was communicating, so I realized wiring integrity was good up to that point. You see the process he's going through? Okay. I realize there's, <laughs> you know, connectors and stuff, but he's trying to logically follow along where things are, uh, are working and then figuring out where does the problem occurs when something's not working. The next best place to check our signal is connector C140, which is located alongside the battery. I've assessed the high-speed CAN wiring pins at 3 and 4 with my Pierce probes from AES Wave. Wave. The circuit comes through pin 3 to splice S112, which splits the circuit to the PCSM and back through C140 pin 4 out to the PCM and TCM. I performed another resistance test at connector C140, pins 2 and 3, and measured 120 ohms. 
but pins 4 and 5 displayed an open circuit. This confirmed the fault was between the two chosen test points. I jumped pins 3 and 4, a communication returned, and I could talk to all modules. And then I then knew I would find my circuit issues between S112 and C140. A step in the right direction. To access that section of the wiring, I removed the battery, covers, and tray. Once they were removed, I saw a shiny new transmission mount looking at me. The wiring harness comes out of C140 and goes along this mount before S112. I disconnected C140 and tried to move the harness to gain access for testing, but it was pinched under the mount. I questioned the shop owner about the new mount. Suddenly his memory came back and he told me he had replaced the mount after he confirmed the starter was working. I'll never understand why it is so difficult to get the whole story up front. After removing the bracket, I freed the harness and removed the conduit from the harness. This is the extent of the damage. He's showing a picture of that where the, the harness was squished and damaged. With only a slight tug on the wires individually, two of the wires instantly pulled apart. The shop, shop let me repair the wiring, which allowed me to test the vehicle again after repairs and confirm everything was working properly at that time. I add the at that time reference because I know that repair caused... That re excuse me, I add the at that time reference because I know their repair caused this no start issue, but I don't think the starter caused the previous issue of vehicle died while driving. We never we may never know the root cause of this vehicle starting starting, wow, stalling issue, but time will tell. A 2021 Jeep Grand Grand Cherokee, mill after rear end collision, mill meaning the malfunction it malfunction indicator light, in other words, the service engine soon light, came on, came on after a rear-end collision. I got a call to look at a 2021 Jeep Grand I just can't talk today. I got, <laughs> I got a call to look at a 2021 Jeep Grand Cherokee with multiple indicators illuminated and a handful of DTCs. It was hit hard in the right rear of the vehicle, and the shop had already replaced a physically damaged module in that area. But when I got to the vehicle, it seemed all the original faults remained. If you can't stand the heat, stay out of the kitchen. The shop owner told me he called another mobile guy first, and when he saw all the codes, 63 to be exact, he turned the job down. When I asked him about the replaced module, all he could tell me was it was behind the right rear interior panel. There are multiple modules in that location, but they couldn't be any more descriptive. And of course, they threw out all the old parts. The good news is the odometer was flashing. For those of you that haven't seen yet, yet it means a module in the network needs a proxy alignment configuration. This is a procedure that transfers the vehicle configuration from the BCM into the new module that was installed. I connected the factory interface, Micropod 3, to the vehicle and ran the proxy procedure. The scan tool alerted me that the power liftgate module wasn't aligned, so I now knew which module was replaced. I performed the procedure and I cleared the DTCs. I was then left with only seven remaining DTCs, four for rear parking sensors shorted to ground, two for rear radar blind spot circuits open, and one for private CAN network in the central ADAS decision module. module. In a situation like this, I, uh, one, I typically choose one code and chase only that one DTC root cause fault. 
In this case, I chose the rear radar module circuit open. First, I asked the shop to remove the bumper so I could gain access to the wiring and modules. In factory service information, the set condition for this DTC are as follows. The CADM detects a power supply circuit for the left rear mid-range radar. A check of the OEM wiring diagram shows voltage coming in through connector XY510A pin 10. The connector is on the passenger side of the bumper and has plastic covers over both sides, making it nearly impossible to see the colors of the wires. When I removed the covers from the vehicle side of the harness, I found voltage available at pin 10, but no voltage available at the radar unit. I then removed the cover from the harness on the bumper side and I found no wire in that connector cavity. The wires that are present did not match the colors indicated in the wiring diagram. I had another conversation with the shop owner and he confirmed he had replaced the bumper harness. I decided to inspect the parking sensor wiring and found it's, route, found it's routed through connector XY511A, which is the connector on the driver's side of the same bumper harness. I removed the covers from connector XY511A to inspect the wiring. A beige red wire at pin 10 on the bumper side of the connector was mated to an empty cavity in vehicle side of harness. I wouldn't have guessed this from the start, but this was a case of the bumper harness having matching connectors on both sides. This allowed it to fit with all the connectors going across the bumper for parking sensors with the wire in either position. Strangely, strangely enough, there were no fitment issues and the only way you could tell there is a difference is if you looked at the terminals in the connectors. A quick swap of the harness, clearing the DTCs, and we had a functioning parking and radar system with a clean post scan. Both case studies were shop-inflicted issues that could happen to any of us when rushing to complete a job. Whether it is tempting, whether it is attempting to drive efficiency up or the pressure we get from impatient customers to get their car back, spending a few extra minutes on either of these jobs would have prevented these issues. They also show has how following a diagnostic procedure and not jumping the gun saves time in the end, even if you are up against 63 DTCs. So, you know, it's one thing about someone being a mobile technician. Um, they're going to see a lot of goofy stuff. I mean, I personally, myself, I don't, I, I'm not mobile. I have a shop, a, you know, brick and mortar location. But the reason these guys get called in is because of specific problems that either a shop has generated on their own or they haven't been able to figure out, you know, what's wrong with the car. So I certainly take my hat off to someone who is an actual, you know, uh, runs a proper, well-running mobile technician uh, type of service because they're seeing a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, you really got to keep an open mind. And, and like you said, you... Uh, one of the things you want to see when you're dropping your car off, if you are having a specific problem with it, and I know I've done podcasts about this in the past, is, you know, try to think about if there's an intermittent problem, especially if there's an intermittent problem on your car, uh, try to think about if there's any pattern to it. Like, like if you drive it a certain way or if it's when it's only hot or cold or whatever the case may be. And certainly if you've had work done previously on the car, and you think this problem occurred after that work was done, you want to, again, you want to be, you know, open and, and forthright with and any information you can give the shop because there might be something you say that, you know, triggers them to want to go down a certain uh, diagnostic path or they want to check this or that or whatever. 
and um, if it doesn't get mentioned then uh, they're not getting the whole story which is not helpful for them so anyway food for thought hopefully you got something out of that uh, again if you want to get a hold of me it's bkpodcast5 at gmail.com or again i'm on linkedin under brad's motorworks so hopefully you got something out of that you found it at least somewhat interesting anyway and uh you know helps to make your uh car life so to speak a little bit more fun and enjoyable and have less problems with your car so i appreciate you listening i hope you have a fantastic day and a great tomorrow thank you again thank you for listening to this episode it's been an honor and a privilege to spend time with you i hope you found this of value please share it with family and friends Above all else, with all you're getting, get understanding. May God bless you and keep you, and thank you again.